Welcome to the podcast, Moving Through Fear, where we explore the role fear has in leading us toward what's most important. I'm Craig Strong, photographer, inventor, and co-founder of Lens Baby Inc. Along the way, I've met a lot of amazing people who've learned a great deal about how to live life well. In these one-on-one conversations, we explore the role fear and negative emotions have played in, of all things, making life better. Rich, could you introduce yourself to the Lens Baby community for those that don't know you? Sure. Uh, my name is Rich Romanowski. Uh, I am a photographer based out of uh, the greater Philadelphia area. Uh, I've been photographing since I was probably about 13 or 14 years old with just a 35 millimeter point and shoot camera. Um, but professionally now, I've been 21 years uh, doing high school and college yearbook photography. And then with Lens Baby, I think I've been with, or at least using your lenses for probably about seven or eight years now. And I saw a picture in a magazine way back when there were photo magazines um, of a miniature baseball game. I knew it was shot from way up in the stands. Uh, people were tiny. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I had no idea how it was done. Didn't know Lens Baby existed. Uh, did some research, tried some different cameras or different lenses. Uh, nothing worked. Then I go to um, camera shows, use stuff. So I picked up a Lens Baby. Okay, I'll give it a shot. It was, I think it was a Scout with a Sweet 35, and I actually didn't like it. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know. I. And I don't think I was on Facebook or anything at the time. So I didn't know there was a, a community of support for Lens Baby and to show that, okay, blurry stuff is okay. Um, I don't think I used it, that lens for more than a month or two before I, I wound up selling it back on eBay. And I, and I tried other stuff. And then I think it might have been a... The Edge 50 was my first uh, official Lens Baby purchase and Composer Pro, obviously, and did a little research, found some images. I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And since then, I've just been hooked. Uh, I think now, in fact, just last week, I got a used uh, twin class and the, I think it's the the wide angle adapter that was one of the original lens babies mm-hmm. when it was IES and not just lens baby. So yeah. that's a collector's item. That's right. Best $9 I've spent so far for lens baby. Really? Um, otherwise I think I have 10, 11, 12 lenses. I lost count. Um, I might pick up another one because yeah. I, I need it. Not really, but I'll buy it anyway. <laughs> So, so, so your journey took you as a photographer from a point and shoot camera starting in about what eighth grade? Yes, yeah, definitely. Uh, into into a space where you were more interested in kind of branching out from from uh, you know a, at that point a career already well established as a photographer, what, what made you, you, you said you saw some uh, baseball game that had been miniaturized. Um, yeah. Was, was that and obvious? Like, like you didn't know lens baby existed. You in fact, uh, I thought it was um, perspective control lens. 
Right. Um, Nikon's got them, Sigma's got them, and Canon's got them. So I picked one up at one of the, the camera shows that I, I went to and found out it really didn't do much of anything. I don't. And so fact, it was a, it, you got a tilt shift lens yes. first, and that wasn't good yeah. enough. No, not at all. Uh, it, did, it did a little bit, um, but it didn't give the perspective I was hoping to have. Interesting. Um, just, and even way back when I was with the, the 35 millimeter point and shoot, um, I'd experiment. Uh, I would try any film. Um, I would try different exposures if, if possible with a point and shoot. Um, different processing. Uh, I would shoot slide film. I'd have a cross processed. Uh, I'd do prints from that. I would scan stuff. Uh, and even I would do, or I would use um, color infrared slide film, uh, which was very, very expensive, very um, difficult to use. Um, did a lot of reading on it. Um, lots of fun. Uh, the lab, I there was, I think there was only one or two in the Philadelphia area that would process it, and they hated every time I came in because it had to be <laughs> hand processed. Right. Um, yeah. You, you can't, you no, can't, no, even, no machinery, no nothing. Right. Yeah. Um, there's so, too much, there's too much leakage in all those machines. Well, it's not just leakage. It's something with an internal sensing light in the processing machine yeah. that it would just automatically fog the film. Right. So to hand process, um, infrared slide film, probably not fun so. so so you were you were changing your film in a black bag if you had to change it or just yes. changing it at home yeah or in a in completely a, dark room uh yeah. towel on the crack of the door stand there for a few minutes make sure there are no light leaks yeah. and then throw it in the, the i've been there yeah i i shot a lot of infrared film back in the day and the it's fun. and there were two or three different types. Uh, Kodak had two, and then eventually uh, Ilford came out with um, a black and white kind of, well, I, they had a black and white infrared, um, and then I think they had something close to a, a sepia-toned film. So, so, so what I'm hearing is that you, you have been like eager to try new things, like yes. for a yeah. long now, time, like with, since, with lens, since that point and shoot. Yes, with Lens Baby, um you could experiment with anything and so, so so when when you've been doing this because uh we're talking i, I want to ask you about the the aspect of the motivation of fear our our mission statement is we empower artists mm -hmm. to move through fear to discover extraordinary creative freedom and that that you know i'm thinking about like most photographers would think oh i have to load this in a completely dark room it might be completely fogged by the lab the lab's going to be cranky with me when i get there all of these oh, yeah, that, and that's layers. terrifying yeah, yeah and, and um, you have no idea what you're going to get until you get there because the film no. sees something different than what your eyes see exactly and even uh, starting out professionally um, I would do weddings for friends. I wouldn't advertise. It was word of mouth, friends of friends. I did maybe uh, a half dozen or so, and a few of them were on film to start. And talk about terrifying, um, because I, I know my exposures. I know what I'm getting. I don't know what it looks like. So I it, obviously then you tend to overshoot something just to make sure you shoot a roll of film, 
for one image. Now that everything's digital, it's so much easier. Um, there's er experimentation. You don't have to carry five different speeds of film going from 50 to 1600 going, oh, now I got to change half a roll because I'm going inside. I need 1600, but we're still doing some photos outside where it's really bright and sunny or in shadow. I have to throw in a 400. Now, digital cameras go from, I think the lowest now is like 50 ISO up to outrageous 250,000 ISO, which Isn't it crazy. I don't understand why that even exists. Because <laughs> where, where on earth are you going to use that? Well, um, if you've tried them, you know that it's mainly marketing, but, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah but I, but to be able to shoot at 50,000 is, is crazy, but okay. So well, the, the highest I've had to do so far is about, um, maybe 32, five. So, so I want to go back. Most of our users are used to whether they've shot film or not and had to, to face these issues of not knowing if they have the job in the bag. Um, at the end of the day, or, uh, you know, having to change film or have mm -hmm. an extra camera body or all of the things that came with shooting uh, weddings as an, a photographer that hasn't shot a ton of weddings. You, you said you were terrified. Talk to me about that, that terror. And um, it, it's when just did it subside? It's the fear of not knowing that um, you're going to have it. I mean, especially with film, of not knowing if the lab's gonna essentially screw up your job, or if the can or if the film even went through the camera properly, right. if you had a problem with your camera, because it, it, once I bought a used camera, no problems, went on a job and processed by the lab, and they came back. They're like, "Oh, there, there's something wrong with your camera." Like, I have no idea. There was no pressure plate. So every time the film went through, the film is floating. There's nothing holding that the film steady. So I shot a job where it, I mean, there were images, but it was all kind of fuzzy. Not, not the, the good fuzzy with no lens baby. <laughs> um, thank, and I might've been like a soccer game or something. So it was easy to go back and shoot. But the lab saw it and they're like, there's something really wrong with your camera. Huh. And I looked at the camera before I bought it. The store that I got it at, they said, oh, yeah, it's fine. There's no problem. They didn't even notice that the pressure plate was missing. Uh -huh. so, and for those of you who have no idea what a pressure plate is, way back in the film days, when you open the back of the camera to put your, pull your film across, there's a little plate that sits on the back of the door that when the film advances, it holds it steady and flat. And that was missing. So essentially my film was floating and it had movement within the, the back of the camera. Yeah. So it's, I mean, that'd be thing. something to play with for special effects, but like you said, it was not a good fuzzy. No, not at all. No. And, but and, those, and that informed, I'm well, sure that informed your fear later of all the things that could go wrong. And yet also oh, yes. something that you could put aside and say, okay, well, I know to yes. check. For and, and now it's experienced that. Okay. Right. Uh, that was a bad experience. Um, I've had other things happen. I've had lenses break. Um, once I, I was all set to go for a football game, 
had my second camera with my long lens on the back of my truck. Uh, I thought it was secure. It wasn't. Boom, right onto the ground. And lenses are made to separate at the, the connector so it doesn't damage the, the body. Did exactly what it's supposed to do, but not right before a football game. I didn't need that. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I still got what I needed. Um, I just had to work a little bit harder with different lenses, get a little bit closer, stand closer on the sideline. And well, depending on and I, in football games, you don't really want to stand close to the sideline, but yeah. sometimes you got to push the limits. So, 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 so that had to be, and there was an aspect of fear there. And yes. I'm sure you were energized to actually you know, figure this one out and do it completely new. I mean, yeah. it sounds like as you're talking about shooting with shorter lenses on the sideline next to, you know, speeding football players. Yes. Um, and, and dodging the officials and everybody else standing there. So. Right. How were your images of that? Were they, I have, you... they, they were fine. Uh, thankfully it was a nice, bright, sunny day. Um, I, it, the, the lens that broke was a 120 to 300. Um, I have a, a 70 to 200. So that was enough for football. Gotcha cheerleading and everything else that was going on um but yeah and thankfully that was digital days so i knew i had what i needed i didn't have to worry about having to go back and try and explain why i didn't get what i needed with film and well i mean and it sounds that your experience had prepared you to have some uh substitute equipment that that would be you know good enough Uh, if the other ones goes out you know instead of changing roles on a single camera at weddings um yeah. you've got a couple cameras ready or at least a couple lenses ready yeah and, uh, and as a professional you need i have at most for a job i you know i'll carry one but i know i have at least two more in the truck just in case or depending on the event i'll carry two cameras in a very rare event i'll carry three cameras and that's usually a graduation or some big event where there's dignitaries that you're locked into one spot and you can't move. So you literally have to carry everything conceivable, not knowing that if you're going to even have the access, right. um, the range, because you can't walk into a graduation uh, in a stadium and, okay, I'm going to go up to the stage. No, you can't do, you can't really do that anymore. Um, I did one graduation, University of Pennsylvania forget who the speaker was, but uh, from the stage to where we were photographing from was probably about 150 yards, if not a little bit longer. And there were photographers that showed up with maybe a a short Zoom thinking, okay, I'll get my images and I'll be out of here. And I'm sitting there watching them. I'm like, "Mm, you're probably not going to get much of anything or you're going to really have to Zoom in use your DX crop in camera and then yep. kind of keep your fingers crossed where I'm just over experience from years and years of doing it, carry everything. I mean, it, as cumbersome as it is, um, I, I've gotten to the point where I'm happy with one camera, one lens, a flash if needed, I'll be fine. Something like that. Carry it all. If you're not going to use it, that's fine. So, so Rich, this is, we're talking about your professional uh, you know, arc, um, but, but you also do 
uh, a lot of street photography. You do abandoned yes. structures and and abandoned. Yes, that, that's my happy place. Uh, yeah, and so so talk to me about like street photography. That takes uh, some some uh, bravery to to be shooting people that you don't know. And yeah, and the, the crazy thing is. I photograph people on a daily basis for high schools, colleges, and all that. Uh -huh. um, my personal work, other than some street photography, I try not to photograph people. Uh, okay. I, I, I'm, I don't pose them well. Um, I'm, I'm awkward when I have to say, okay, let me take a picture, and they strike some pose. I'm like, that's not what I needed. Street photography, uh, depending on where you are, you could stand in one spot and disappear. I occasionally for work, I have to go to New York city. Um, I'll go, I'll do my assignment and then I'll just walk around for an hour or two and stand in one spot, New York city, you disappear. Um, no one cares. I mean, you've got a camera. Other people have cameras. Everybody's got a cell phone. Now everybody's taking pictures. You just blend into the background. Um, when you first started, I don't doing... like to, I don't like to interact. Uh, there, I, and I've read articles. I've seen other people's work where they say, "Okay, um, I'll talk to people. I'll pose them. I'll, I'll move them a little bit." And like, okay, yeah, that's street photography, but then that's portrait photography, where you're saying, "Okay, strike this pose. Do this for me." I will just stand and watch people. Um, do, do you find, see what you, they do. What was that? Okay. Did you find early on that there was some anxiety about photographing oh, definitely. strangers? Definitely. Because all it takes is one person to not like them having their picture taken and be confronted. And I'll be like, okay, I'll delete it. And that's fine. But it's that confrontational yeah. that I can't deal with. So that's why I, I'll stand with my back against the wall, just watch people walk by. And if people make eye contact with me, depending on their face and how they react to me, I'll be like, okay, okay, you don't get a picture. Um, other people just, I mean, they don't see me. I grab a few pictures of what I need and I'm good to go. So, um, so in that situation, you're you're there's a constant kind of navigating of do I want a confrontation here? Do I exactly uh, is there a connection that I could actually make with them, but I'm not going to pose them? Um, and so so you found an equilibrium between the anxiety like, of photographing them and the you know what you're there to see and and what you're after. Yeah, I I would rather miss a photo than have to explain something to someone and say, okay, this is what I want. Um, stand here, lean this way, pose this way. That's not what I'm looking for. Uh, if I wanted something like that, I'd hire a model, go somewhere, take some cool photos. And I would rather essentially, and how I like to do weddings and other events. And I'm for work. I do a lot of, um, proms and dances and stuff. I just want to be a fly on the wall. I want to get people's reactions. Um, I just want to blend into the background and see what I could get. Street photography, that's the best way to do it. And especially with digital now, you can immediate results. If you don't like your exposure, um, you could change it. If you don't like your lighting, you could change it. Um, 
there's so many options now. Um, yeah. And especially with Lens Baby 2, um, some of the longer lenses like the, the Edge 80, um, even the, the 50, and of course my favorite, the Burnside. Um, everybody should buy a Burnside. Highly recommended. It's great. Trust me. Um, they're all good for street photography. Uh, and now I'm thinking, I read somebody's reviews online, uh, the Velvet 56 and the 80. So, or is it 80 or 85? 85. No. Um, for like street photography. So I'm like, I don't have them yet. Uh, I don't, most of my stuff is not velvety soft. I have the Velvet 28. Um, I always turn it down to like a four or five, six to get away from the, the shiny, um, ethereal look, but I like the longer lenses for street photography. Yeah. 35, the, the Burnside 35 somehow is fine for street photography. And a lot of other photographers, um, use 35 millimeter for that closeness. <laughs> um, Burnside is fine. Um, the edge 50 is fine, depending on what you what look you're going for um but even the, the twist but still there's the fear of intimacy um like i said i photograph people constantly um outside of work i would rather be in an abandoned building um photographing stuff like that i go to some historical places I would rather photograph that. Um, I do, I, I will pretty much photograph anything. Um, I do nature, still life, whatever I'm in the mood for. Um, and like I said, I, I just got the double glass and mm -hmm. the, the adapter. So I've been playing with that and I, whatever piques my interest, I'll stop and grab a photo. Um, I have a favorite spot near my house that, is great in the fall, great color, um, some yellow, some oranges, and it's a very quiet road where there's not a lot of traffic. So of course I was standing in the middle road the other day taking pictures of just an empty road and I'm happy doing that. Um, but I so, so two but for something like that, it's the fear of getting run over. Yeah. See, there you go. <laughs> standing in the middle. And I don't know how I do it, but a lot of the stuff I like to photograph, I somehow have to stand in the middle of the road. Yeah. Even when I'm in um, Philadelphia, occasionally doing some buildings and some other things, which Philadelphia has got some sketchy places, I find myself having to stand in the middle of the road. And Philadelphia, not a good idea to do that. Well, and I, I will say that I, I'm hearing a lot of a lot of parallels with my photojournalism career is that you've been a photojournalism for schools or a photojournalist for schools. And that requirement, I mean, you got to get names, you got to move for, toward people. Uh, you don't necessarily for the nope. school so much, but for nope. me, I, that, I, that was a. It's just for me, it's just a matter of taking pictures, getting a lot of pictures, different faces, and just handing them back to the school. So, so most of the time so, I don't have to identify anybody. It's great. So regardless, there's whether you need those names, there is there's been an arc from you going yeah, out with your I think you had a you had a VR35 Kodak, which I shot yes, myself. Yes, I love that yeah, my, camera. My and father got it as a prize. Flash. Um, and the 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 arc from just photographing your friends to photographing strangers 
and going out into abandoned things. You talked about the fear of intimacy of, of having too short of a lens. Um, like there, there are things that have you've grown in, and I'd like to hear what's been the most anxious thing that early on in your career is just a piece of cake now. Mm, I think it was just the fact of being a photographer. Because uh, when I, uh, I've been taking pictures since like eighth grade, um, never actually had any proper training in photography until maybe end of sophomore year, early junior year in college, because I changed majors. Um, started as a business major, found out I was terrible in all things business, um, counting statistics, everything not for me. Um, I had friends that were communications majors and they're like, oh, come to us. We don't take tests. I'm like, we do projects. We do fun stuff. I'm like, okay, I'll be right over. Um, I, but I had to interview with the head of the department in order to get into that major. Sure. So beyond that fear, because I, I wasn't good in science, um, beyond that, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And okay, photography, maybe I could do something like with that. Um, I did some desktop publishing, I learned that. Um, but I stuck with photography. Um, I initially had one class in the darkroom where you learn how to process black and white film, um, do your prints and everything. And I really caught on quick to that. And I, within weeks, people are asking me questions about what I'm doing. Like, hmm. I don't know, I'm taking the same class you're taking. Um, but I used to anger my instructors because they'd always say, make a contact sheet, look at all your images, see what you want to do. I would not do that. I would hold the plastic sheet up to the, the, the light or whatever and go, okay, I'm going to pick that frame. I'm going to work on that. And that's kind of how I work now with my images. Um, I don't do a lot of editing, um, some dodging, some burning. Um, I'll clean up spots if needed, but I'll, I use Adobe bridge as basically my viewer. I'll pick an image, I'll work on it. And I'll go from there. So, so Rich, I want to back up. Yep, um, I know. I get you, you said you yeah. were the, the the anxiety that that you identified was that of being a, a fear of being a photographer. Oh, what, well, what do you yeah, mean by I, that? Well, yeah, I mean, just the, the fear of okay, I take pictures, um, and I don't know if I can make a career out of it. I am. I had zero intention of being a professional photographer. Um, after college, I did desktop publishing. I worked for two companies doing catalog work, and that was boring. Um, I owned, at that time, I think I had the Nikon 8008. It was an autofocus. I had maybe one short zoom and maybe a flash. And I'm like, okay. I, the job posting for where I currently work opened up. Uh, I applied for that and I applied for a photo printer at the Philadelphia Museum of Art. Uh, needless to say, I did not even get an interview there. Um, but for the, the company at the time, uh, the name was DeVore. Um, I think I interviewed with them on a Monday afternoon. Um, they called me that, I think Wednesday or Thursday to say, oh yeah, we'll, we'll hire you. And 
I think I started the following Monday or Tuesday. So I never gave my two week notice. And my, my manager knew I went for an interview when I took Monday afternoon off. He's like, you had an interview. I'm like, yeah, pretty much. It's like, yeah, I don't blame you. So, so, so you, I, 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 I didn't know what I was doing. I'm like, okay, I own a camera. I own a lens. I own a flat. I think I owned a flash at the time. Um, I had a fear of flash photography because I think I TTL. Yeah, I, it was good, but it, it, I, it's obviously nothing like it is now. Yeah. Um, manual flash knew nothing about because I never learned it really. I, I did some studio work. Um, so, so, so what I'm hearing now, flash is a whole different thing on. Oh God. On, yeah. Uh, My first no. assignment, um, I, I had faculty photos at a high school and I still know the school. Um, I blew out every face because I overexposed it. Yeah. My, and my, and my, so, so again, we're on film here and yes. flash it's, really it's isn't a factor for most photographers. Flash isn't even a uh, factor for most photographers because our cameras go from 50 to at least 20,000 ISO or oh, 25,000 yeah. ISO. Yeah. But wait a minute. So the, the, you just, you just ran after it. Like you had some anxiety about being a photographer or about, about being able to do the job or do it professionally. And you just said, Hey, I'm going for it. Like, what was the motivation for that? Like you just wanted to conquer it? No, I think I just needed a job. I needed, <laughs> I needed something to do. Love um, and I figured, okay, photography. And I've always loved um, Matthew Brady's documentary work of civil war and um, other photographers i'm like oh yeah that that's fun i'm when i first started taking pictures i i would do stuff like that but i didn't know that beyond that what i could do with it and i'm like oh i guess it's almost like a day by day I'm like okay i have my assignments i go i do them since i didn't hear any negative comments on the image i was sending to schools i'm like i guess i'm doing okay yeah so 21 years later, I'm still doing it. And now that it's digital, it's so much easier. Um, one, one camera card, it gives me an option of 3,100 photos. Crazy. If I fill that, I, I've done something wrong because you know, <laughs> that many photos for a soccer game. Um, but so, I, so but like personally, I don't go out and shoot a lot. Um, yeah. I'll grab a few images here. I, I've gotten to the point where I know what I like. Um, I know it depending on the mood or where I am, what I'm going to photograph or when I was laid off because of COVID. Um, technically I was still alone. I was just happened to be driving in my car out taking pictures, not dealing with other people. Um, I would just drive around to see what I could find. Um, yeah. I would try and go to different places. Cause with work, um, my territory is within 200 miles of home. Um, so I've been on many roads, um, some usually stick to the highways, but this gave me the opportunity to just drive around and find anything and everything. Um, I'll photograph abandoned buildings, churches, anything. Some days I wouldn't find anything. Uh, I'd be like, eh, I like that, but the lighting's not good. Um, yeah. Sometimes 
I, in my subjects, it's not about the subject itself. It's the light on the subject. And I'll have my bag of lens babies. I'm like, okay, I'll try it with the Edge 50. Ah, didn't like it. Um, maybe I'll try the twist for the background. And everything I photograph, wide open. Uh, I don't know why you bother putting apertures in there, Craig. They're not needed. Just shoot everything wide open. It's great. Um, so I'll try, if I see a barn or flowers or something, I'll try different lenses. Um, some stuff I photograph, no one sees because I don't necessarily like it. Um, sometimes it's just an exercise for me to see what I can get out of it. Um, I, I photograph nature. I'm not a good nature photographer. I get lucky sometimes. Um, other people, all they photograph is nature. Um, people can go into a forest and see all these green trees and get a nice photo. And I'll walk in, I'll see, oh, just green trees, nothing here. So it's a matter of seeing differently too. Well, and, and it's interesting too, because some of those things, like like the idea of being a photographer, that wasn't that that was something you wanted to to be able to prove yourself. And yes. and going yeah. into a forest is like, well, you know, it doesn't matter that much to me that I don't see this. Let's go find something I do see. And it's a matter of basically it's trial and error yeah. because you I you buy a camera, you buy a lens, and you think, okay, I have the idea of I want to photograph people. Then you're like, oh, okay, maybe people's not for me. Maybe I'll try buildings. Maybe I'll so try speaking. Maybe I'll try so speaking of the abandoned buildings and and the abandoned stuff, cars, whatever projects that are the images that you do is that have you been in a situation? Uh, where there was anxiety about being in this space and whether it was unsafe, whether somebody was going to kick you out. Uh, and can you talk about that real oh, briefly? We've got to wind I, things up. Um, but it's, it, well, it's fascinating. I mean, for all the, the, the abandon that I photograph, um, no trespassing signs are kryptonite to me. Um, it's the fear. I'm facades. No problem. Um, if there's an open door and a no trespassing sign, and especially nowadays, you don't know who's watching. Um, and all it takes is one phone call. Um, and I don't want to deal with that. Um, I'm fine not knowing what's behind that door. But then there's <laughs> that little thing in the back of my head going, maybe it's something really cool, make a great photograph. Yeah. But it's the fear of just going into these places and not knowing what's there. Um, I see a lot of images online. Um, I know photographers that photograph abandoned that will go into and essentially trespass. And I'm like, yeah, it's risky. You don't know what you're walking into. You don't know who's there. Um, but a lot of the places I go through uh, workshops, um, they offer access uh, you, you may pay a, a, a small fee or, or a moderate fee. It goes to the person who hosts it and the, the property to upkeep the property because I mean, somebody's got to pay for that. Yeah. I have no problem with that. I would much rather be safe and photograph these places than to go in. And I don't necessarily, when I'm out working by myself, I'm not telling people, okay, I'm going here 
if you don't see me in two days, I'm probably still there. Um, if I go into abandoned property, something happens, hmm. no one's going to find me. And, and so that, that's, that's a big fear. So I, I, I'm happy ignoring some stuff and not photographing them, missing some images rather than the, the fear of, okay, getting caught somewhere, um, injuring myself where I'm not able to, to get help. So, yeah. And so and that, that brings like up that. a good point that a lot, there's, there's fears that are pointing us towards something that we really need to accomplish and, and yes. overcome. And there's fears that need to be paid attention to as a warning sign to say, you know, I, I don't need to do that because while I, I, I'll probably be okay. Uh, there's there's an aspect of, um, you know, what is that going to cause me to miss, whether it's, you know, from the inside of a jail cell or, yeah, exactly. from, you know, yeah. injured or, or, or whatever it is. And so or is taking this picture in this abandoned building going beyond the no no trespassing sign. Is that image going to sell enough to post my bail? So, yeah, I don't think it's going to work that way. Well, that so so it kind of comes full circle. I mean, what you've described as a as a career and a lifetime with a photographer with a camera in your hand that you have just kind of whether it's because you were motivated to get a job and to get work, yeah. and, um, plus, but I, have, and now and even then and now with film and with digital it's just experimentation is trying different things going okay uh i i'm not good at flash i'll buy a flash i'll try some still life in my kitchen so those are those are those challenges that you've taken on because you weren't good at it and you didn't yeah. feel great about it and and that there's a little bit of anxiety at the very least in there but you have rushed in where many of us have feared to tread and so i i'm I, a trendsetter <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you know, congrats on that and good job in constantly moving yourself forward. And I got to say, as somebody who has worked in in schools and newspapers, both in college uh, and then while I was working in newspapers, going into a lot of local high schools, um, those things can can be deadening because you're shooting the exact same thing week after week after week and year after well, year after that, year. Yes. Yeah. And and you have chosen to continue to do personal work and to keep yourself fresh and to be excited about photography. And, yeah, the, and the, that's the, that's awesome. The the personal work is my savior and sanity. Um because yeah. I and lately, in fact, probably for the last month and a half, I've done 80 hours a week, if it or a little bit less than that, and 12 hours a day doing the same thing day after day almost. I, I always have a cam a separate camera, a lens baby on it, and I'll try and stop and get at least one or two photos. Um, I'll accumulate stuff for a week or two, then I'll edit it. So it's a little escape. It's a little therapy after. So it it, it it's fun. Well, Rich, I, I so enjoy hearing your journey and talking about, um, you know, a lot of the things that, that you've chosen to do that, that many will not choose to do. Um, and oh, I, good yeah, job. I hope I'm I able to inspire someone today. Yeah. Yo, you've just, inspired just go me. Go out and try something that. different. Yeah. And, 
And so thank you for coming on today and thanks for being part of this community. Your, your images are fantastic and your story is even better. So I I have a lot more to edit. So uh, (laughs) look look forward to my double uh, glass images coming up soon this week. Hopefully if I get a chance to edit, if I'm not at another football game, can't wait. Okay. Thanks Thanks, Rich. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining me for the Moving Through Fear podcast, where we explore what it means to move through fear to discover extraordinary creative freedom.